Um, there's a lot of things going on in these verses, and we're only going to touch on a few of them. I think the big question that um, this will help us answer is the question of how do people change? How do people really change? Like we can uh, change our habits. We could change um, – uh, we can get new devices that help us with change. We can do all those kind of things. We can get um, advice from people. But all that is kind of incremental and does not really like foundational, not really the kind of heart change that we've – uh, I mean, the two messages we heard from Malk was about you know, stuff that we would love to be involved in and maybe are sort of, but not as much as we'd like to, uh, to, to change in order to want to be more on mission the way that God's called us to. It's something more deeper than like an incremental change, more deeper than something of like, maybe I'll add this habit to my life. Of course, it gets to that point. But what we really want is our hearts to change. How, did, how does that actually happen? How, how do people do that? Um, now, we've been part of a church that's seen a lot of change over the past four years. It was our very first official Redeemer meeting was a missional community meeting in our the middle room of our house. There was nine people there. And now we have, I don't know, at least double that here in Wales, which is fantastic. On a Sunday, we have like 40-ish people, including small humans, big humans and small humans. Um, I mean, when you're a church planter, you're like, how, how many people in your church? You count literally everything you possibly can. Um, yeah, this person has thought about coming, so that's another one. Um, I mean, we met in our house on Sundays to a bar, and then also sometimes our house when the bar didn't open. Now we've upgraded to a pub. Uh, it was lots of different... We've seen people come to faith. We've seen a baptism. We're going to see baptism next week as well. And we've also seen people whose faith has been reignited. So we've actually seen a lot of change. We've got this front row seat to see a lot of change from God. Um, but what does it look like for an individual to actually change? Uh, we've looked at, through Malk, has helped us see um, what it might mean to seek the Holy Spirit, what it might look like to be on his mission, um, and what we're going to look at today is how does our innermost being change in order to kind of make that jump? Because it's going to be more of like a do more, try harder kind of thing. Right? It wasn't necessarily be more than that, it was just be completely different than that. So how do we do that? Well, the, vo- the one who changes us is God. Let's just start with that. And it's not ourselves that are going to change. Uh, it's going to be God who's going to change us. So it doesn't start with us. But it does require us to do something. But even in our doing, it doesn't start with us first. So Isaiah 55 teaches us that God, he changes our hearts, and he does so through his word, through the Bible. So it's in our best interest to listen, to surrender, and respond. Now, we're going to look at this in, as we normally do in three chunks. No surprise there. Uh, verses 3 through 7 is this first chunk. And this is like an image of what a changed life looks like. So right from the start, God says, listen. Verse 3, give ear, come, come to me, listen, that you may live. Uh, a changed life comes from listening to God. And it's something that I've, I say um, maybe cliche and semi-Christian cheesy sometimes, but every time we open this up, God opens up his mouth. Every time we open, open up the Bible, God opens up his mouth. Um, I want, who can do the best Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation? Anybody? No takers? I'm not doing it. Paul's got it. Yes. Can you say, come with me if you want to live? <laughs> it sounds like mysterious and haunting in that way. <laughs> that's, that's what God is saying here in verse 3. Uh, listen, if you want to live. Like, come to me if you want to live. Get to the chapel. And as we listen to God, here's what comes next. So, okay, give ear, come to me, listen. What, what is God saying? The very first thing he says there, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. 
And what David was included in in the Old Testament uh, and what God's people were included in is something that we get to con- that be included in and continues with us. God's eternal covenant is his promise that he will keep us as his sons and daughters. That's what his eternal covenant is. And it's on God to do that. It's not on us to be kept in. It's on God to do that. And that's something I really need to hear. I need to hear that every day. I need to come to God and listen every day to hear him say those words. I will make my everlasting covenant with you. You're my son. You're my daughter. When I'm feeling good, when I'm not feeling good, I need to have my life orientated towards this truth every single day. And that cannot happen if I don't listen to God. I need it every day, but if I don't hear God telling me that through reading the Bible, it's just not going to happen. So the next thing that God has words about is his servant. Uh, He says, uh, see, I've made him a witness. So when he's talking about him, he's talking about the servant. Jesus, his servant, is a witness to us all about the Father's love, all about the everlasting covenant. So I'm going to make the everlasting covenant with you, and here's how I'm going to prove it. See, here's my servant. Uh, Our servant is also our king. This servant has enabled this covenant to happen. He made it happen. It's all on God. God made it happen. And that's something I really need to hear as well, because if I don't hear that, what I will think, and I know what all of you will think as well, is it's up to me to keep this eternal covenant going on. And that's impossible. If it was up to you, you would have failed. It's not up to you, thankfully. It's up to God. Now, so that's a great kind of uh, encouragement, a great kind of inclusive kind of community that God has. In verse 5, and this kind of goes a lot with what Malchus has been talking about, this covenant comes with a mission. So God has made uh, the servant a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander, so he's a king as well as a servant. In verse 5, he says, Surely you, and this is talking to God's people, surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. So we're included in this covenant. It's not up to us. God's the one who includes us. God, the Father sent the Son in order to make this happen. But what we get included in is this mission. People who, don't, uh, who we don't know, who don't look like us, who don't have our background, they will be attracted to our community. And not because of us, but because of what God's doing. Because of the Lord. And what we read uh, later on in verse 5, it says, uh, it's all because of God, the Holy One of Israel. And this is, for He has endowed you with splendor. He's, and he's given you a beauty that only comes from Him. And that's the attractiveness that this community has. The Lord has given us a splendor that cannot be found outside Him. Now, if I don't listen to those words, I'm going to think my life is all about me. I'm going to think it's up to me to connect to God and to keep this covenant going. It's going to be up to me to kind of make myself be some, have some kind of splendor or attractiveness to it. It's going to be up to me to make sure people are attracted. Um, that's not what this is saying. I need to hear these words. This is coming from God. Uh, all of this is about so much more than myself. And that reorientates how I go about my work, how I go about my family, how I go about all the kind of rest. And as we listen, God wants us to do something. In verse 6, he's telling us to seek the Lord. And it's not just like a normal, just seek the Lord a little bit. It's seek the Lord while he may be found. There's an urgency there. Like, it's not like a, God's hanging out and just is happy for whenever you want to come to him. It's just seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord now. There's an urgency. Seek him while he's found. He's near. Don't put it off and miss out on this. Do this now. And uh, what verse 7 tells us is that this is a message for good religious people, 
And there's also a message for wicked, non-religious people. So it's like everybody, all, all people from good, from bad, to religious, and not religious. This is who this message is for. Because verse 7 says, let the wicked forsake their ways. Who's this message to? This message is to God's people. God's people are hearing, let the wicked forsake their ways. So God's people are wicked. Uh, and the unrighteous, their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them and to our God. So whether you are wicked, whether you are good, whether you're the perfect example, a shining example of what a human ought to be, or whether you're like the worst example of it, whether you're super religious and come to church all the time and show up in all the things all the time, or whether you don't show up in anything all the time, God's asking all people to come to him. So the question is for where you are, wherever you are on the spectrum, what does it mean for you to seek him? This is what we're told here. This is an urgency here for us to seek him. What does it look like for you in your life to seek him? The great thing is that all who seek him will find mercy. You're not going to seek him and not find mercy. You're going to seek him and you're going to find mercy. If you seek him, you will find forgiveness. God freely pardons, not begrudgingly, not like, oh, oh Liz talked to me, I guess I got to forgive her. Like, God's like, oh, yes, I'm, I'm doing that. Like, he's, he's not begrudgingly forgiving anybody. He loves to forgive. As a father who delights in his children, he loves to be good to them. And he loves when we come to him and listen to his words. Now, all of this is great information, but to be able to live this out is impossible outside of opening our Bibles because we have to come and listen to God. It's on different levels, whether it's your your own kind of uh, reading or whether it's in initial communities, whether it's what we do on Sundays, unless we are actually listening to what the Bible's words says into our lives, uh, we're going to miss out on even the just verses that we have there. So a changed life comes through listening to God. That's the first aspect of what it means to actually have that deep kind of heart change. Now what we have in these next verses, in verses 8 through 11, is a bit of a change. Now it's like more talking about who God is. And you might have heard some of these words before, like... Um, uh, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thirds, my thoughts more than your thoughts. So is it, what we're kind of given here is an image of God's difference compared to us. God is holy. One definition of holy is that he's set apart. He's very different. It's not like God is a, the best version of a human. That God is qualitatively different than anything else. God is not made of matter. We're made of matter. God isn't even made of that because that's created stuff. God is something completely different than we are. And this is really good news. Because that means he acts in ways that are different than us. If it was up to us, we would give forgiveness maybe, sometimes, not all the time. But it probably would be more begrudging than not. But God is not like that. He gives forgiveness and he, gives it, he lavishes it upon us. So God is a holy God. The way he thinks, different than us. Uh, and not just different, but better. A different better. Much better. Higher. Um, that's actually, can um, someone read verse 11? For us. Can I be someone? Yes, you can. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent. So this is God's words doing what God wants. God's word from God's mouth always does what God wants. Unlike our lives. Our lives are different. We say, I wish I had more money. And more money is automatically like materialized, or whatever thing does. But when God created the world, how did it happen? Through his word. He said, let there be light, and there was light. God's word from God's mouth always does what God wants. And what does God want? Well, at least in this chapter, so far, what he wants is change lives. And how is that going to happen? Through his word. And when his word acts, it does whatever he wants to do. 
He wants us to come near and listen to him and seek him. He wants to give his people splendor. What kind of crazy person would be like, given the option of splendor and no splendor, I'll take the no splendor uh, option, please. All that great stuff, yeah, you can just leave that. But that's, that's what we do when we don't listen to his word. And thankfully, God's words are completely different than ours. When he speaks, it happens. So the world was created that way, but also we get recreated that way as well. God's words speaking into our hearts. And the metaphor that's used here is the idea of just as uh, rain or snow is effective to fall on the ground and water the earth, so it is uh, God's words to be effective. When God's word goes forth, flowers bloom, creates a harvest. People are nourished by it, and people will starve without it. God's word from God's mouth does what God wants. And God is speaking words of renewal into our world, into our own hearts, into even our church, the people of his everlasting covenant each day. So as his people, we come to his word, and what we're called to do is surrender to it. Uh, as starving farmers would see like a rain cloud out in the distance, there's like been a drought for years, and also there's a little bit of a rain cloud out there. It's like, oh, that's great. I need that. I, I, we're going to... Um, uh, Christina shared this thing recently uh, with some family in America of like, how dad are you? It's like all the things you say. Like someone, uh, you know, wants to pay the bill. This is like American dadisms. Like, oh, what's the damage? Is kind of a thing. Or, um, I don't know, I can't remember any of the things. But one of the things is like, when it rains, like, oh, we needed that. Like, that's a very dad thing. As soon as it rains, like, oh, we really needed it. Um, but that's exactly the kind of thing that's going on here. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. No one says, that's like when it doesn't rain. Oh, we needed that. <laughs> the, um, that's exactly what's going on here. There's, uh, the rain cloud is out in the distance and it's going to come because we really need it. And if we don't get it, we will starve because how are these crops going to grow? We surrender on his words, betray his words, and depend on it. And not just the parts that we easily like or understand, all of it. And if he's God and if his thoughts are different than ours, he will have thoughts that will offend us because we're different. He will have thoughts that are different than ours. And that should not really be a surprise. Everyone is offended by God's words, regardless of how holy you think you are or you actually are. And what we get to do is continue this process of God's words going into places where it hasn't been yet through his mission. The others uh, who are running to the church, as this chapter talks about, which we may not know in, you know, in our lives, we may not have like a long list of people who we feel like are running to the church, running to be God's people. Uh, they may not know it yet, but God might have them on a path. There are people who are running to the church, and we get to speak these words to them. So they get to hear these words of renewal as well. If you think that's great news for you, imagine what it's like for someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. And if you love other people, you'll speak God's words to them. We can't say we love others and withhold this from them. Like, we can't. That's just, those two things do not connect. We can't withhold food from someone who's starving and say you love them. That just doesn't make any sense. So we have a holy God who is different than us in so many ways. And here we see how good it is for him to be different than us. Because we need someone other than us to save us. And as we listen to his words, he changes us and he gives a new life. And that's what these last two wonderful verses are about. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of the briars and myrtle will grow. This it will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Now, two things to kind of look at here. Uh, thorn bush and juniper, briars and myrtle. So a thorn bush, well, we know what that is. Thorns, thorns are bad. 
uh, a juniper is like a, an evergreen tree, a tree that never, never, um, the leaves never fall off. Now, briar is like stinging nettle, not enjoyable either. Thornbrush and stinging nettle, bad plants. Uh, a myrtle is like a juniper. A myrtle is evergreen as well. Basically, another word for an evergreen tree in there that people translate it as myrtle. So what we have is, uh, instead of what, was, what would previously give us pain, because it would either stab us or sting us, or both, uh, now we get to uh, the image is something that will never die regardless of the season. When you go through seasons of winter, when you go through seasons of drought, evergreen tree is still there. And that's the process that God takes with his word. It goes from thorns and stinging nettles to something that is always green regardless of whatever might come, regardless of whatever circumstances are outside. And that is uh, why these people now go out in joy. This is why they're led forth in peace. Because previously, they all they had were thorn bushes and, and stinging nettles. Imagine if that was your life. And that's, I mean, you probably don't have to imagine very long to think of that, what that could look like. But now you have a life that's defined by an evergreen tree. And that is the new life. The new life where we join creation in singing. The trees are clapping their hands. The only beings that have, the only things that have ever existed that have a problem getting worship God is us. The whole of creation is always singing God's praise. What we get to do is we get to join it in this life. It's from the curse and the sting of sin to the evergreen reality of God's love. This is the path we get to follow on when we follow the Lord. He's delivered us uh, to his own love and that love endures forever. It's an everlasting covenant. And now as we are united to Jesus, he gives us the gift of himself in the Holy Spirit. And we get to rely on the Spirit to listen. The Spirit changes our desires. He drives us to listen. Even as we are called to seek Him, the one who does that like initial seeking in our hearts isn't even ourselves. That's the Holy Spirit working in us. We can read God's words and understand it in ways that's different because now God Himself, the Holy Spirit, is letting us understand these things. See, reading is a spiritual endeavor more than like a a habit, more than an intellectual exercise. It's a spiritual endeavor to read His word. Instead of having to work up the courage on your own to speak to people who you love in your life who may not be believers yet, uh, that ta- that's a difficult kind of boundary to get over. Now, but instead of you having to have that courage yourself, you have God himself who is with you. And because of that, you get to step out in faith that you wouldn't have had otherwise. We realize in new ways how holy God really is. And with a new joy, we get to live in the amazement of what it means to be filled with his splendor and pursue more of it and pursue that in other people's lives as well. And we enjoy this new life where all creation responds in joy. That's what our lives get to be. A response and joy. Like as we sing songs, we've never been around people who um, they maybe they sing an old hymn and there's like they're doing four part harmony in the group and stuff and it just it sounds beautiful. That is that is a great sound by itself, but the it's, it's more like instructive than anything. That's really what our lives ought to be like. That kind of beautiful overflow of what happens when people work together and harmonize with each other. So I wonder. We talked about we skipped over. Um, we kind of flitted across the top of a bunch of ideas here. Um, I think I wonder where it might be for you to seek the Lord. When, when we hear, when you hear, sitting there, come here, uh, give ear, and come to me, listen that you may live. Uh, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promise of David. Um, what does that mean for you in your life where you are now? It might be something about speaking the gospel to somebody. It might be your own relationship with God. It might be um, your partner, your kid, whatever it is. Probably all of those things as well. But some things are going to float to the surface. And I wonder what those things might be. Regardless of whatever those things are, and they might be things that scare you to death. 
And maybe that's, generally that's proof that that might be the thing. Uh, whatever those things are, just know, like, this is the God who's with us. He's not like, all right, I love you now. Like, you go figure life out and do the thing on your own. He's like, no, I'm going to come with you. And actually, I'm going to walk ahead of you. And I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to walk behind you. Since God's omnipresent to be wherever, at all times, at all places. He's not going to leave us alone. So in whatever circumstance you're in, whatever relationship that you're in, whether it's me uh, with God or with other people, this is the God that is with us. The one who, when we give ear to him, when we listen to him so that we get life, we hear, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. This is God's work. It's not our work. We get to respond to God's work, but it's not our work first. And that is amazingly good news. That I, as a, uh, a super achiever wannabe, um, really needs to hear. That's good news for anybody, regardless of whatever kind of idolatry you have going on. It's fantastic news. That a God is completely different than us, through Jesus, came that we might know this God is completely different than us. And then we get a splendor that's completely different from what we were born with.